let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of gathering together as family. Thank you for providing us with truth that sets us free, Father. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Um, and thank you for revealing that love to us through grace, through mercy, through kindness even, Father. Thank you for reminding us that we have a benefactor in Jesus Christ, someone that can empathize with us, that's able to relate to us even as individual humans, Father. Thank you for sending your son to us to relate to us this way, to bridge that gap back to you. Father, we do pray for those in the congregation that can't be with us this evening. And we pray, of course, also for those that are still lost in this world, that before it's too late, they are humbled and receive saving faith, Father. On that note, we're so grateful and thankful for all the work that your Son, our Lord and Savior, did on the cross 2,000 years ago to make a time like this a time to rejoice time of truth and reality. We do, just, we do just ask for your blessings on this evening's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, part 21 of Proverbs 17, Wisdom. If you didn't get a chance to listen to Sunday's special message, please please take the time to do so. Um, I wasn't sure if it was going to continue. We're going to do a good amount of review this evening, but you really should uh, listen to Sunday's message. It was titled, Please Don't Feel Lonely, Disconnected, and Depressed. And I received a lot of feedback from members of the congregation, as you probably can imagine, on the timeliness of it that it was just superbly timed um, in the need for it, like ointment to the soul even. Um, so I want to do a, a, a recap with you before we get back to our course of study, our primary course of study. Uh, with that said, I think it's fair to say that um, people are lonely for a variety of reasons. People are lonely for a variety of reasons um, where sometimes loneliness is circumstantial and, you know, just by virtue of their, I don't know, their family situation, for example, um, you know, they find themselves alone. Or maybe their loneliness isn't really caused by physical cir circumstances at all, but rather their emotional separation or something like that. The point is that at the outset of Sunday's message, the Spirit made it very clear that we weren't going to psychoanalyze um, the why or the specific causation. In other words, we, he didn't want us to spend time on why you were lonely. Um, our starting point was that for a variety of reasons, at some point in our lives, most of us feel loneliness. So instead of psychoanalyzing the why, he wanted us to ponder the purpose, the purpose of, or the purpose of why God um, has ordained loneliness in us. So the second point right out of the gate was up here on the board that no one is immune to loneliness. It's not you know, some category of human beings, they don't have the market cornered on loneliness. Anyone in here can be lonely right now, tomorrow, the next day, for, again, a variety of reasons. And so this is a broad stroke. I mean, who here, you don't have to raise your hand, but who here hasn't heard the following statement in the Bible up here on the board, Hebrews 13, 5, part B. I mean, who hasn't heard this? I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when you think about that in the context of 
loneliness. Strictly, or what you would call logically speaking, shouldn't that be enough? I mean, shouldn't it be enough? If God, the perfect one, the Lord, our Lord, says vehemently, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I mean, strictly speaking and logically speaking, I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm just saying, logically speaking, shouldn't that be enough? One might argue that should be the case. But as human beings, it doesn't seem to be the case many times, at least not practically speaking. Um, so as it came out on Sunday, you know, we can't help the way we feel in the moment. I mean, if you're lonely, you're lonely. You can lie about it to yourself or you can play games, but the truth is you're lonely for whatever reason. If we're honest, um, many times there are choices we've made that do land us in situations conducive to loneliness. Um, but that's not the point of what the Spirit's been saying to us. Again, we're not here to analyze how we got there or why we're lonely. The point is that no matter how a person gets to feeling this way, be it lonely, disconnected, or even depressed, no matter how, the point is that they aren't necessarily abnormal feelings. Um, they're not necessarily abnormal feelings um, that induce sadness or melancholy, etc. And the key point from Sunday's message was the proverbial, you know, the fork in the road. What do I do if I find myself in a state of loneliness? Um, and if you're at that fork in the road and you allow the fiery darts of your enemies to hit their target, loneliness turns sour. Loneliness turns sour. In other words, you can be at that fork in the road. You can make a good decision, as we'll see again through faith, or you can, your faith can lapse. Sir, you've got to stop so I can see you right in the middle. Please? Thank you. Or you can take the wrong route, and it turns sour. Do you understand? So we sit at this, this fork in the road called loneliness, um, and if fiery darts of your enemies hit their target, loneliness, this thing, can turn sour. And it results in despair, dejection, and even shame. Shame in the sense that you might be feeling alone in light of Holy Scripture, like the one on the board. You might say, well, why am I? Should I be ashamed of myself? I mean, God himself says, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. How do I sit here and say I'm lonely when I have him always beside me? And if you're a believer, obviously, indwelling you. So reflect on this for a moment. I'm sure we can all recall a time where a well-intentioned friend was giving you scripture to think about, but it wasn't really helping. Think about that. I know that's happened to me. I know someone that cares about me would, you know, give me scripture and say, hey, listen, you're going, it doesn't have to be loneliness, but for context, say it's loneliness. Um, here's something to think about, something like that. Um, but it doesn't always seem to help. I mean, most of you already know that, you know, certain emotions are the result of something ailing our souls, and the root cause is clearly identifiable based on Holy Scripture. And just knowing that, it's frustrating sometimes because we know the logical pathway out of our funk, but it doesn't seem to work. I mean, that's the point. Like, we have Scripture, uh, just an abundance of Scripture that tells us how much the Lord loves us, the promises of God, right? That He's, he's, he's with us. I'll never leave you forsake you. I'll never leave your side. I'll be with you to the end of, the, of days. All of that. Um, I want to put this to, this to, uh, to, uh, to test, though. Go to uh, Philippians 4, verse 4. Philippians 4, verse 4. So there's this sort of uh, confliction, or this, con excuse me, this con that's not even a word. There's a confliction. There's this, 
there's this conflict in us. We know what Holy Scripture says. We know logically we probably shouldn't be lonely, but yet we are. And we don't want to deny the truth of the matter. Um, but let's put this to the test to prove my point. Philippians 4.4 reads, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be, uh, be made no, excuse me, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Look at verse 6. Now this is pretty plainly stated scripture, right? Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so we have clearly stated scripture that says, quote, do not be anxious about anything. That's what Holy Scripture says. Any questions? I don't think so. And yet, who here can honestly say you're not anxious about anything? I mean, even while you're sitting here listening to this message. And if you're honest, you, you can play games and say, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. He's like, you know. <laughs> right? You can be honest or you can play a game. And so here we have in the face of Holy Scripture, right, and with the, you know, the previous uh, verse and many others, we, are, we live and we feel contrary to what we know is actually truth. Shouldn't we, technically speaking, say, oh yeah, I forgot this one, 1 Peter 5, 7. What about that then? If I'm feeling anxious, why don't I just cast my anxieties on him because he cares for me? I mean, that's Holy Scripture. It's like an open invitation. If I've, if I've got any anxiety, throw it on him. Why don't I just do that and be done with it? La, la, la. You see, that's that conflict. It's, it's truth versus reality. So, do you see how, again, technically speaking, we ought to just, you know, turn on a dime and be like, okay, thanks for the reminder, all set. I mean, technically. I'm not saying that happens, but technically speaking. And yet, even knowing and being convinced of the veracity of God's word. Even then, we don't just snap out of it, do we? That's the point the Spirit's been digging at here with Sunday's message and this review. All right, back to our original topic of loneliness. Even though we know technically that Jesus is always with us, we suffer the pangs of loneliness. Um, when this happens, we're at that proverbial fork in the road. We're lonely, we're sitting at a fork, and we can make good decisions based on faith, or we can listen to the fiery darts or the temptations from the world and make bad decisions. And then just try to justify it and say, but I was lonely and since God loves me, he's going to let me go down this, this wrong road. I hear that all the time. Plainly stated scriptural encouragement, sometimes, I don't mean to say this the wrong way, it doesn't work. And I'm saying that in the most practical sense. I hope, it, I hope you know what I'm saying. Um, like we just noted with anxiety. Right? Be anxious about nothing. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Okay, done. No, no, no. Why doesn't it work? It doesn't always work like that. Sometimes it's a wake-up call and you're like, oh, yeah. And it's enough. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes you can be stuck. And so there we sit. But here's where another remedy, another course of action, another bit of healing ointment enters the scene. You know you're not supposed to be those things. You know you're, you know, this kind of a thing, technically. Jesus grabs your hand and says, hey, you, I love you. And I'm right here beside you always. Up here on the board, Matthew 28, 20, part B. 
And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Signed, Jesus. So instead of just saying him saying to you through Holy Scripture, don't be anxious about anything. Cast all your anxiety on me. He just says, how about this? How about we drop all that? That doesn't seem to be working right now. How about we just drop that and you remember our relationship? How about you just flat out remember that I'm always with you. I don't forsake you just because you're being cranky. Just because you're being maybe unbearable because of said you fill in the blank. Could be loneliness, whatever. I'm not going to leave you. How about that? Not only that, Jesus is one of those friends that can actually empathize with you, not just sympathize. And I hope you know what I mean by that. Empathize means, yeah, I've gone through that too. Uh, in other words, he actually understands the human condition and something as primitive to us as loneliness. Go to Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15. He actually understands the human condition. Hebrews 4.15. And something as primitive to us as loneliness. And that's very valuable, is it not? I mean, isn't it always easier to listen to somebody who you can relate to? firsthand? I think so. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Again, Jesus understands the human condition. His Father in heaven ensured this very fact by sending him to earth in his humiliation. Read Philippians 2, right? In his humiliation, the Father sent him so that he could understand the human condition, so that he could actually be mediator between man and God. So when we find ourselves at that fork in the road, his advice is to do as he did up here on the board. His brother wrote it, James 5.13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. That's what he did. You might say, why did he ever have to pray if he was perfect and he had perfect wisdom and blah, blah, blah? Right? If he, technically, he knew his father wasn't going to forsake him. Technically, he knew where he was going to end up in the, in the long run. Technically, tech, yeah, but why did he pray? Why did he feel pressure, so much pressure, he sweat blood? Why was it that real to him? Because it's real. The human condition is real. And it comes with, like, I guess, baggage? <laughs> right? There's, there's certain weaknesses with the flesh, uh, with humanity. It's just, this, it's just that thing. It's what makes us human. Let him pray. So for those situations where the remedy isn't just a friendly reminder of Holy Scripture, granted sometimes that's all we need, Jesus says to us, grab hold of my hand and let's take a walk. Let's spend some quality time together and let's talk this over. That's, it's one of the... If you've, been, if you've been around my... If you've been in this ministry for any period of time, if you've talked to me personally one-to-one... It's the same advice I give everybody. Just don't give up. Just stay in the saddle, right? And if you fall completely out, hurry up, get back in. But just stay in the saddle. Just stay with him. You know what I'm saying? Don't give up. Don't um, walk away. Don't give up on um, the most basic element of your relationship with Christ. So Jesus says, when you pray, just take my hand, go for a walk, let's spend some quality time together, and we'll talk this over. Sometimes that's all you need, isn't it? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been chastised for trying to solve problems. When the person says, I just wanted to talk. Oh, you didn't want me to come out with my little bags? 
da, 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 my cape. Let me solve that problem. It's not even my problem to solve. It's like God's. I just want to get something off my chest, dummy. Right? Sometimes that's, that's the ointment we need. We just need to walk through it. Just get it out. Just walk through it. For example, he's talking to us right now. Ta-da! That's one of the unique things about coming to church. It's one of the valuable things about having a church that you should feel extra blessed about, to be honest, is that you have this focused fellowship with him. This one-on-one time. I know I'm teaching, but I'm just an advocate, right? I'm just sort of a, a vessel. But it's that quiet time with him, that time of fellowship. Go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. So he's talking to us right now. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. Second Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God, who said, Let light shine of dark, out of darkness, has sown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And so we spent a little time on uh, the contrast in verse 7. That is the jars of clay versus the surpassing power of God up here on the board. Jars of clay. Uh, this is a reference in context here, the way Paul is writing about it, which is the way it would have been understood by his audience. It's a reference to cheap, expendable jars that we use during Paul's time for simple storage, even for holding uh, human waste. So not the most elegant vessel, <laughs> piece of pottery, right? Just a jar of clay, not much to it. Um, let's concentrate on this because this takes a little bit of doing, I think. Um, we are frail creatures, just like a, a jar of clay would be. Um, I think we're pretty self-aware, is that fair? I think we're pretty, by this point, I think we're pretty self-aware of our um, awfulness, the awfulness of the flesh, I should say. We're frail. And sometimes the most effective thing to hear, even when there's 101 reasons why our feelings are awry, is that you are loved. And that someone's always there with you, namely Jesus. Um, and as, you know, Huey Lewis said, that's the power of love, right? I mean, there's some truth to that, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasures, a treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So it turns out that verse 7 is at the core of our deliverance from loneliness or anything similar, uh, anything that has you know, similar stickiness to it. Um, and now you concentrate a little bit more. In order to choose the right path when we stand pondering uh, at the fork in the road, we've got to do one particular thing. We've got to exercise faith. That's the relief valve that we finally got to on Sunday. It's like, you know, build up this tension, loneliness. I get it. It's, ooh, why am I not you know, is clearly stated in Scripture. Why am I not just delivered on the spot? Why am I sitting at faith? That's the relief valve. It always comes down to faith. It always comes down to trust. Because, you know, when you're at the fork in the road, fork, you know, pathway A, God says, cast all your anxieties on me. I got this thing covered. You come with me. Pathway B, lack of faith, human strength human effort, human solutions. Sometimes it's just you. Sometimes it's a bunch of fools that the kingdom of darkness has brought in for the party to drag you down pathway B for a little while. The difference is faith. That's the key. Go to 1 John 5, verse 4. That's the key, as we noted, uh, all over Holy Scripture, right? 1 John 5, 4. 
faith. It's just trust, right? Faith is really another word for trust. Um, you may not understand why you're in a pickle, or you may not understand your loneliness. You don't, you, you know, you say, you know, I'd really like to be able to psychoanalyze myself to that degree, but I'm not there yet. I'm too immature. I don't get it. I don't have enough wisdom. Um, I'm just going to trust God. Instead of trusting in my old ways, I'm just going to trust God. That's the key, and that's called faith. First John 5, 4. See, you don't have to be, let me say something right now. You don't have to be a spiritual giant. I get so angry when I hear pastors say that, you, or even imply it, that you have to be some spiritual giant. Some of the most, um, some of the most delivered free people I've ever known, really, I don't even know if they've got any Holy Scripture memorized. They probably don't have one Greek word memorized. They probably don't, you know what I'm saying? They probably have a few stories. But you know what they have? They have pure faith. They just say, you know what? I'm definitely not, maybe not, I shouldn't speak for them, the brightest bulb. I don't have, I don't have a DD, PhD. I don't have any of that THD. I don't have any of that stuff after my name. But I do have something that it seems a lot of people don't have. This little thing called faith. 1 John 5, 4. They're the ones that really have it made. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So the beauty of it, what the Bible tells us, is that only believers have access to this faith. Only believers have supernatural or are supernaturally empowered to overcome whatever comes in their path. Anytime you're faced with a decision, you have, believe it or not, you have what it takes to pass the test. Believe it or not, you have what it takes. Faith is what keeps us from falling headlong into the temptation to be overcome by something like loneliness and you know, begin thinking and acting wrongly. In other words, in the light of the Word of God, loneliness doesn't have to turn sour. Up here on the board, Romans 14, 23, Part B, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Sour is when we fall into the sin. It's when we're faced with that critical point of discernment. We're at that fork in the road and we take plan B. We take path B. We follow the kingdom of darkness. We take the bait, the fiery darts. That's when something that could be used to the glory of God becomes something sinful. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. That's just a, a kind of a reverse engineered way of describing what I just said, that it's this fork in the road, success, if you want to call it that, is based on faith. Because if you don't have the faith, you sin. In fact, as the Spirit clearly stated on Sunday, loneliness can be a very effective tool for God to bring us back to Him. Up here on the board, emotion without faith. Loneliness is obviously emotion. Like any emotion we have in time, loneliness in the absence of faith is destined to bear bad fruit. It's destined for it, because whatever's not from faith is what? Sin. We would call that bad fruit. So loneliness, in the absence of faith, will always bear bad fruit. With faith, we bear good fruit. In other words, for example, we return to God to find peace and time, or to help in time of need, a la Hebrews 4.16, which is what we read. And don't ever let anybody tell you um, that I used to believe, I remember when I first started out in the faith and I had some false teaching in me, I used to think that emotions were, were sin. That having an emotion was a sin. That's complete garbage. That's like utter and complete garbage. How can, how can feeling something actually be a sin? Acting on it, Acting wrongly on it, well, that's a whole other story. 
But you can't help finding yourself in a moment of loneliness. Right? Um, don't buy that lie. I mean, there were nuances to it, but I don't want you to buy that. I don't want you to bite that off and say, you know, if, you're, if you have an emotion, it's, there's something wrong. Don't turn your relationship with Jesus Christ into something so sterile. This isn't an operating room. This is about two people. Remember, Jesus is a person, right? It's not, it's not that kind of a relationship. We're not talking to a, a you know, a Burt's Bees. I mean, it's another human. The last thing we want to do with that fork in the road is to abandon our faith and start taking advice from our enemies. That's the point. So when you're lonely, there's certainly no shortage of bad decisions you can make. Is that agreeable? <laughs> I mean, when you're at that fork in the road, there's certainly no shortage of plan Bs. Probably like plan B, C, D, E, right? There's a whole fan out. There's like one, the narrow road, right? And then there's this, you know, choose your poison. So there's never a shortage of alternatives to exercising good faith. When you're lonely, the kingdom of darkness is on high alert. And it's comical because, you know, at my age, I see it almost immediately now. It makes me laugh. But then I get angry and then I laugh again. Whatever. The kingdom of darkness is on high alert. And you know what? Suddenly, everyone wants to be your friend. I'm feeling a little lonely. Next thing you know, everybody in the kingdom of darkness wants to come to my aid. Aren't they sweet? Do you follow what I'm getting at? All of a sudden, you become the center of the attention, of attention for all these like worldly, unholy, seductive people. All of a sudden, you're the most attractive person in the room. Everybody wants to be your friend now that you're lonely. Before, they didn't care. But now that you're lonely, all of a sudden, opportunities to exacerbate the situation stop popping out of the woodwork. I think you know what I'm saying. To summarize, the kingdom of darkness is an efficient killer. It doesn't, you know, it's like, have you seen, um, you ever watch like the jungle scenes in like Africa and like the, the lion, the king of the jungle? They spend like 23 hours a day just sort of hanging out, laying on their side, right? And then it's like, oh, I guess I got to go eat. So they don't go after like the giant bison. They go after the baby or the injured one, the one that's weak. Why? It doesn't taste any different to them. Not to be gross. Sorry. I'm just saying, though, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the key. The king of the doesn't have scruples. It's not like, oh, well, you've been around longer, Mr. Big Bison, so we're going to eat you. It's time for you to go. They don't even care. The king of darkness is like that. They don't care about you either. It's efficient. It'll, it'll just try to take you out. And if you're weak, guess what? Ooh. Chop, chop. The king of darkness is an efficient killer. If you're lonely... You're in a weakened state, especially if your faith is beginning to fracture. And here's the key to, uh, to this from Sunday's message up here on the board. Loneliness has a utility to it for as long as it doesn't fracture your faith. In other words, God can use it. You know, God let you get to that fork in the road, did he not? Yeah, he let you get there. He let you have the emotion of loneliness. He let you feel certain pain certain hurt, certain, the, you know, the, the fringes of dejection even, right? He let you get there. And, you know, like I, uh, I wrote to someone this week, <laughs> sometimes that's the only way it'll work for you. Sometimes that's the only way it will work for you. He has to let you get to that point of loneliness or else you don't pay him any mind. You're too busy frolicking off on plan B with everybody that loves you so much. And you know how it goes. You know how that whole game goes, right? That's that game over there, right? All of a sudden they stop loving you. Oh, but I'm so lonely. Oh! oh. It's 
like throwing up the white flag. Oh, better bring the white flag up. Oh, poor me. And everybody comes rescue, right? Everybody wants to rescue the damsel in distress. You know that thing? Nobody? Right? Oh, oh. <laughs> Loneliness has a utility to it for as long as it doesn't fracture your faith. Therefore, what do we conclude up here on the board? Loneliness is a test. And that's how you should look at it. Say, well, I'm here now. I'm not, I don't even need to psychoanalyze how I got here. Maybe God and I can talk about that after the fact, once I've got clarity again. I don't even need to psychoanalyze how I got here. But I'm here now, and that's what matters. I recognize it. I'm not playing the game. Oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not playing some weird game. It's just a test. God let you get there. Take it as a test. You're here. Pass it. You're at a fork in the road. So when you're at the fork in the road, what should you do? Go to 1 Thessalonians 5.16. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Almost done with our review. This is all from Sunday. A lot more color on Sunday. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. This is what you do when you're at the road, the fork in the road. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, particularly part 17, but it's one big sentence, so we'll read it. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, pray without ceasing, even when you're lonely. Say, God, you must have a purpose. There's that key word, right? You must have a reason why I'm lonely right now. And he might actually answer you. He might have just answered through me two minutes ago when he said, it's the only way I can get your attention, sweetheart. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But when you're in prayer with him and you're praying without ceasing, he has that opportunity to talk directly with you. And you should give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray on the promise that God will uphold you and guide you towards or down the righteous path. Up here on the board, Psalm 23, part, uh, verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He restores... No, who, who cheers? Let me, let me put it this way. Who cheers and who is glorified when you're at that path or you're at that fork in the road and you take plan A. By the grace of God, by the exercise of faith, you take plan A, and you, you leave that whole big, that big fan of plan B, C, D. You leave all that stuff aside, and you take plan A. Who's glorified? God is. God is. Because his grace is sufficient for that thing to happen. And the angels are cheering. That's what we read there. He restores my soul, I'm here, I'm beat up, he restores my soul, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Paths of righteousness would be another way of saying plan A, as I've been calling it, for his namesake. That brings glory to God. And the angels love it. As a practical reminder then, up here on the board, simple, use this moment. If you're lonely, then use the moment. You're still alive. I've taught you this a bazillion times. If you're still here on earth, God has a purpose for you. And if you're at that fork in the road and it happens to be labeled loneliness, then use the moment to bring glory to God for his namesake. Take advantage of this time in your life the way you would when pleasurable things are going on. In other words, if you were at a different fork in the road, uh, uh, let's say a less stressful one, pleasurable one, Maybe your faith isn't put to the test the same way. Maybe your faith hasn't really cracked at all. The question is, why should it matter if a circumstance induces pleasure or pain? Why should it matter? Go to Philippians 4.12. Philippians 4, verse 12. Why should it matter if a circumstance induces pleasure or pain? Philippians 
Philippians 4, verse 12. Paul wrote, I know how to be brought low. That's one fork in the road, right? I know how to abound. That's another fork in the road. Right? In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the secret. Right? Which is the base, baseline premise is faith. Okay? I trust him. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Again, the fair question is, why should it matter if a circumstance induces pleasure or pain? Our enemies want you to make that critical mistake, especially when you're feeling a little lonely up here on the board. You get all the whispers and the fiery darts, you know, and just as an example, you're lonely, detached, depressed. You know why? Because you deserve to be. That's a good lie for you. You're weird and unrelatable to others. There's another one. Uh, that's what it means to be a Christian. And you blew your chances for happiness a long time ago. These are all satanic whispers. They're all lies to take advantage of you, right? To get you to a point where you just throw in the towel and you take, choose your poison route. Again, all of this, the point of all this up here on the board is that fiery dots from our enemies are intended to fracture our faith. But we have a remedy. Go to Ephesians 6.16. We have a remedy. Ephesians 6, verse 16. Fiery dots from our enemies are intended to fracture our faith. And fiery dots don't always hurt. Do you understand? I hope you understand. That the very visual of a fiery dot, you're like, geez, that sounds like it hurts, right? They're going to shoot at me, you know. No, 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 no. Usually fiery dots are something that are attractive. You're sitting at that fork in the road, and two steps away is the most attractive so-called friend you've ever seen. This person wouldn't pay attention to you yesterday, but now that you're lonely and weak, the kingdom of darkness is going to use them as a lever, as a distraction, as an attraction to get you started, get your momentum going down the wrong path. We got them, remember? We got them. They're weak, right? You stand right here, you stand here, you stand here, and this is going to boop, 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 boop. And next thing you know, they're 10, 20, 30 paces down plan B. That's what fiery darts are. And they don't always hurt. Matter of fact, they make your flesh feel really good. Here's the remedy, Ephesians 6:16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. How? With the shield of what? Faith. Faith. And just for the record, pain is a part of the human condition. It's true. Pain is part. What do you, look, the Lord himself said we will suffer for a variety of reasons. That alone just says, all right, so we're going to be in pain. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to experience pain. Doesn't mean there's not deliverance, but we're going to face pain in our lives, especially as Christians. So pain is part of the human condition. But here's the thing, especially for a believer, pain has a purpose. Pain has a real purpose. If you're in pain because you're lonely, there's a godly purpose for it. That's the whole point. There's a godly purpose reason that he allows that pain to even exist. And he's not saying, we're not even looking at how you got there, right? Because you, be, you could deserve to be there. Is that fair? But what, what does that change? I mean, you're there now. He hasn't left you. He still loves you. He wants to deliver you. So you're there now. You know, it has a purpose. That's the point. Up here on the board, the purpose of pain Pain typically doesn't, you know, shut up or turn off until we address it. Nagging, right? It's like a toothache. Or if you're, you know, if you're, if you're in pain emotionally, it doesn't just turn off. That's why I think, honestly, a lot of people self-medicate because they get, they turn it off with booze or drugs or something like that because it's painful. I get it, right? Um, that's, a, that's a trip down the wrong path. But we can all understand how people self-medicate um, 
with a lack of faith, right? And uh, I'm not judging anyone, but that's how, that's how it typically happens. It, pain never shuts up or it doesn't turn off until we address it. Um, in this way, God uses it, pain, to deliver us from the vestiges of sin. He may not remove the source of your pain, a la 2 Corinthians 12, 7, where Paul said, you know, there's a thorn in my flesh. But regarding the temptation to fail the test, he will, quote, provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The purpose of pain. Pain really does have a purpose. Pain typically doesn't shut up or turn off until we address it in this way. God uses it to deliver us from the vestiges of sin. He may not remove the source of your pain, but regarding the temptation to fail the faith test, when you're at that fork, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In other words, you will be able to look two paces down uh, path B, or plan B, to that super attractive person and go, no. Move along. No. You'll be able to do that thing. So I hope you're encouraged um, by these messages, truly. Um, as we ended on Sunday, go to Galatians 6, verse 9. Galatians 6, verse 9. I truly do hope you're encouraged. Galatians 6, verse 9. Just some more encouragement for us. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Probably one of my greatest personal joys. I don't really get to spend a whole lot of time with any one of you. Um, on a regular basis, but just knowing that I can contribute, um, I can do good by you, for you, by doing this job, um, and you're a member of the household of faith, I'm stoked. Like it's, a, it's a blessing. Um, anyways, that's our review. Uh, we've got to get back. We've got some time. Yep, got a little time left. We've got to get back to brass tacks here in our primary course of study, which is part 21 of Proverbs 17, Wisdom. So just to reconnect us, right, because it's been a while. I hadn't taught in a while, and then Scott taught, and then we had the special. So it's been a while. We just want to reconnect. Um, the Spirit gave us some things to chew on a couple of weeks back up here on the board. Philippians 2.12, part A. I gave you the Amplified Classic. Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent, part B up here on the board, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and full, com fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. And then finally, up here on the board, verse 13, not in your own strength. Remember this? This was our entree into that human strength thing, which is another exercise or another re revelation of a lack of faith. Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all, uh, who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. So not in your own strength. Our messages uh, were perched on this concept of human power. Uh, in brief, up here on the board, these are all points of review to reconnect us. On the topic of human power, it typically manifests in mankind inventing solutions to problems that God has already accounted for and either solved directly, Philippians 4.19, or given us the means to cope with indirectly, 
1 Corinthians 10, 13. The corollary was, up here on the board, on the topic of human power, it is the fingerprint of sin, uh, sinful man. Believers are called to depend on God's grace. I did it again. Allah something. You fill in the blank. <laughs> However, sinful man, unbelievers, and sinning believers depends on his own strength to solve problems. It's the fingerprint of anyone who's being fleshly. How about that? It's the fingerprint. Da -da -da, I will solve this problem. I'm at a fork in the road. I'm lonely. I'm whatever. I, I'm going to take plan B. I'm going to, you know what? I'm not even going to pay attention to my enemies. I'm just going to listen to that one enemy inside of me, my flesh. I'm going to be my own man. I'm going to carve out plan Z. And I'm going to be a self-made man or a self-made woman. I'm going, to saw, I'm going to put an end to this loneliness thing. I'm going to take it upon myself. I'm going to ignore all the good counsel from the Word of God. And I'm going to come up with a solution for myself. Ta-da! <laughs> that's using, that's the fingerprint of sinful man. What we learned was that the exercise of human power reveals something critical. A lack of, up here on the board, you know, a lack of faith. And, you know, if we're honest, we do a lot of things that reveal a lack of faith. For example, consider what we just studied out regarding loneliness. Um, what was the core issue with failure there? You had two options. This was the faith option. This was the not faith option. With loneliness, it's no different. It's the same thing. So reflect on that. Let's get practical for a moment before we close. With everything that's going on in our world right now, faith, if you want to put it this way, is at an all-time premium. It would be really nice to have a lot more faith right now, wouldn't it? Some of you are like, man, I could have used a lot more faith like a month ago. Because I'm starting to fall down flat on my face. I'm chewing people out at the house. I'm miserable. I'm cranky. I'm, you know, doing bird calls while I'm driving. You know what I'm getting at? I'm just a wretch. <laughs> so it uh, be nice to have a little bit more faith. My last blog was titled, What is this freedom you speak of? whole heck of a lot of faith in there. And this week's blog is titled Blind Obedience. Blind Obedience. Another faith-oriented statement from God the Holy Spirit for all of you to enjoy. Um, both of these blogs turn our attention to the uh, subject of faith. The subject of faith. Um, I don't know about you, but I hear way too many Christians claiming claiming godliness in the absence of true faith in God's word or even his promises. They claim godliness, but they lack faith in the promises of God. Way too many Christians doing that thing. Just do yourself and everyone else around you a huge favor and just say, you know what? I guess I don't have the faith that I should have. I guess I'm miserable right now because I don't have enough faith. What I'm seeing is a lot of people are saying, oh, I have faith. I have faith in human government. I have faith in rebellion. I have faith in my own way. I have faith in anti-authority activities. I have faith in all kinds of things. In other words, I have faith in myself. That's an absence of true faith in God's word, you see. So there's a lot of Christians, and I'm not condemning anybody, I'm just saying this is what I see. There's a lot of Christians out there, some of them are even well-intentioned, claiming godliness, but they're doing so in the absence of true faith in God's Word, in clearly stated Holy Scripture. Why? Because <laughs> a lot of people are fed up. A lot of people are at that fork in the road, and they're just like wobbling, Right? But here's the point. Their lives are a testament to human power. Their lives 
their misery, their poor decisions, their reactionaryism, blah, 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 their emotionalism. Their sp it's a testimony to their human power. It's, it's a display case for what human power does to a, a human being. When you choose human, human power over faith, what do you get? Misery, strife, backbiting, uh, you know, you, you whatever. That sphere. Right? That sphere, by the way, is set aside by sin. Just saying. Here's what I'll give to, uh, you on this. Up here on the board. Unless God delivers you, you haven't been delivered. So chew on that. Unless God delivers you, you haven't been delivered. You don't supposedly deliver yourself by yourself for yourself. What did we read in Psalm 23? To whose glory? To his glory. He delivers you. He restores your soul to his glory. What I see a lot of even good-intentioned Christians doing, they deliver themselves, by themselves, for themselves. Why? They lack faith. And because it's such a struggle to go that route, they're miserable. And they're making everybody else around them miserable. Because <laughs> they're rolling a rock up the hill, as they say. Right? Instead of just what? Having faith. God's got everything under control. Will you stop wrangling with stuff that's outside of your realm of control? <laughs> stop making yourself so miserable. Stop trying to deliver yourself. In theology, we call that self-sanctification. Self-sanct. God's trying to sanctify you. In the middle of a, oh, I almost said a crap show, right? A poop show, right? And some of you are failing miserably. I'm just saying, maybe it'd be better not failing. Maybe it'd be better just stepping back for a moment and go, what am I doing? Maybe I should reread those blogs he keeps writing. That ball guy. Maybe there's maybe there's something in God ordaining that gift in my life, that particular person. Maybe there's something to it. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> the practical side up here on the board. Does the end justify the means? Never. That is never a good way to run. Never. Right? Uh, go to uh, actually yeah Let's, yeah, let's go to Romans 12, 12, and I, I've got to close. I think I'll just, I'll just, I'll just kind of close on a cliffhanger. How about that? <laughs> just, Romans 12, verse 12. Okay, what's the Spirit saying? What's he saying here, folks? Romans 12, 12. Feel free to bring in even Scott's messages on contentment. What is it? Rejoice in hope, right? Hope is an element of faith. Um, be patient in tribulation, okay? Be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. The hope is that who, do we not have a promise that he'll deliver us? Yeah. So rejoice that you have that hope. Stop being so impatient. He's trying to work something out in you. Right? takes time. If he just delivered you every time you were in pain, you wouldn't learn anything. That's the point. Right? You've got to pass these tests. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Don't treat that as like some dangling thread. That is imperative. Imperative. Be constant in prayer. So before we close, uh, are you beginning to see a pattern here with the past few messages and blogs even? Do you see a common theme throughout? I'll give you a hint, and here's the cliffhanger. It's really not a cliffhanger up here on the board. Man lacks faith. And ladies, you know what I mean. Yeah, men, they're awful. <laughs> man, meaning men and women, 
lacks faith. Amen? All right, we'll continue on Sunday. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of studying your word. We're so grateful for the, all that you do for us uh, in time, in moments like this, uh, because you love us. Thank you for reminding us of this one simple, fundamental truth, Father. When all else fails, thank you for reminding us of that. We just ask for your blessings as we take the things we've learned back to our homes and the privacy of our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Thank you.